Welcome to Pick Up Your Sticks, where we talk about why gaming matters, with your hosts, Walker Neer and Brett Lindley. I'm Walker, and today we're discussing BlizzCon 2019 and our thoughts on the recent announcements. As always, I'm joined by Brett Lindley. Brett, what's going on, man? What uh, What are your thoughts on BlizzCon? What did you check out? So... I would be very forward and say that I, in my opinion, checked out the most important thing about BlizzCon, the only thing I look forward to from BlizzCon, and like 90% of the reason why I play Blizzard games, which is I watched all of the announcement trailers, which were basically just all of their full motion video segments. So not gameplay trailers, but cinematic trailers. Correct. The cinematic trailers. Thank you. That is the appropriate, yeah. Uh, I think that if Blizzard just turned into an announcement trailer company, <laughs> I would probably get more out of them than I currently do. <laughs> oh, bother. Rewind two months ago to StarCraft has changed my... Actually, just like a week ago, StarCraft changed our <laughs> lives, and here we are. Anyway, um, no, that's fair. And I will actually... I mean, I've said this to you. We've taught, had this conversation before and had it as we were watching the trailers over the weekend... Um, I, I don't actually wish it because I've, I've given too many hours of my life to Blizzard games to say that they haven't had a tremendous value. Right. Um, but if, I don't know how mad I would be if they, if they just became an animation studio, because those, those cinematic trailers are, are incredible. It puts ever like Pixar's like, look at our new animation thing. We're the Kings of animation. It's like Blizzard puts out a wow trailer and it's like, Yeah, <laughs> I, I know. Well, I, so we'll start with WoW. But so I said that about, uh, and I, I now to my discredit, I have not sat and watched the full two hours of the WoW movie that came out whenever it did two or three years ago. Um, but I've watched clips of it on YouTube, and it's it's tough. I mean, it looks like it's pretty bad all around. But but the most striking thing to me, or striking thing to me, is that. Um, it's not all CGI. It's a right. mix where the orcs are CGI and well, and even the parts that are CGI aren't. It's not the same kind of CGI. It's like B movie level CGI. True. And uh, I, I watched the like everything wrong with, you know, mm. and that was there's there's movies that I wait to watch the everything wrong with until I've seen them because I want to actually like laugh at the movie but also yeah, enjoy it. And then there are movies that I'm like, I'm not going to watch that, but I have to see, let me see the worst bits. And yeah, that's, that's like honest trailers, like honest right. trailers can be probably better sometimes if you've seen the movie. So you understand, but like, I've never watched any of the twilight movies yeah. and those twilight honest trailers are killer. So I would put the Warcraft movie on the level of like twilight. For- I don't know that I actually <laughs> saw the honest trailer for that. I need to go look at that. I'm, yeah. I'm cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know why the Warcraft movie wasn't just made by the same people behind their cinematic trailers, because then it would have been awesome. It I probably guess. also would have been like 12 years for us to get it, too. So. Oh, right. I right, mean, their right. art department has probably, like, I, I imagine for any of the, like, trailers versus the game, that the art department probably gets a nice head start on being able to do whatever they want and the game comes out way later. So like they're, they're completely separate from they are, but, but here's a, here's a thought. How much did they spend on the movie? I mean, I have no idea. We can Google it. I'm not doing that, but let's, let's say it was 50 million, which is probably an underestimation. Right. Movies are expensive. If they dedicated 50 million to just the cinematic team and its resources, we might be in all right shape. I'm sure. I would probably own it on DVD special edition. So, <laughs> um, right, right. But so, so yeah. So we'll go to uh, to the Warcraft trailer. So it's for the new expansion, Shadowlands, mm-hmm. uh, which is WoW's expansion. Now you are not a WoW player, so I'm not. But I do. I mean, again, it's with all. I would say that I'm probably order of connection. I'm probably most connected to the animations for like Starcraft then mm-hmm. probably Warcraft, and then Diablo, even though that's not the order that I would play those games. Right, right. Like, I, I follow not necessarily the story, because, again, I'm not playing, and I'm not reading the novels. I'm not, like, super lore time on that. But I, I enjoy the universe. I enjoy the the world that they have created. I like the world building. 
and I I love where they're taking characters and what they're there are characters I I would have not expected the story arcs that they're taking. Mm. And even though I'm not excited to like play through them because I don't want to play WoW, I'm still interested to see like I can't believe they're bringing they're doing that. I can't believe they're bringing it in this way, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so I don't want to misquote specifics because I know there are going to be people out there that are going to say how wrong I am, but, <laughs> but I do oh, follow yeah. it, you know, and I, and I, I watch, I think it's really interesting that they're kind of bringing this story arc kind of to a full circle. There's been like a second cataclysm on the horizon for a long time now. And every, every new update seems like it's going to be the one where everything finally breaks and everything really goes to crap. But I think this is kind of that peaking point of mm-hmm. the current story arc. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting. Um, I mean, I don't know of any other MMO at least certainly not with this popularity because nothing is as popular as wow, as far as MMOs go, but uh, at least in the West, there's probably some Chinese MMO that I don't know of that. <laughs> has there's more, a lot of good Korean ones. Too. Yeah, there you go. Um, but either way, it's interesting how they continue to to come up with new stories. And I, I actually, despite being a longtime WoW player, don't actually follow the lore that closely. I couldn't tell you, you know, what all the different story arcs are. Um, but I I do find it interesting. But anyone I know that likes the, the, the WoW lore is always very excited by whatever the next thing is. Like, there's a couple of expansions I can remember where people were kind of iffy, but... People were pretty um, iffy about pandas because yes. that was kind of a direct counter to the Kung Fu Panda release as well. That was riding that train pretty hard. Well, and it um, it it was the only I think it was the only expansion that didn't actually feature a villain. Like, oh yeah, you know, the story of it, at least when it was coming out, um, was just like, hey, there's a new island that we found. Let's see what the secrets are. So it was much right. more exploration i guess as opposed to overcoming a villain which pretty much all which of course there still were raids so there still were villains to be found but it just wasn't you know sold that way initially um so yeah was there anything in the i mean you know i don't know how much i guess i don't know how plugged into the trailer lore you were and again i'm only so and and this is this is going to be the part that i shoot myself with because i probably could google it to make sure that i'm right um it's is sylvanas the mm-hmm. the blood elf archer okay so yep. i am i am right in that so her she used to be she's like one of the old school characters um yeah, she's been the queen of the undead since wow came out well and she was part of I, I i see i'm gonna get slaughtered over this i'm pretty sure she was featured in like work possibly warcraft 2 and i'm pretty sure oh. warcraft 3 and like so like she used to be part like alliance like part good guy and then has like gone. Well, when I say she's queen of the undead, to be clear, I mean the undead race of the horde. So she right. was still a good guy. She was just on the horde team right. instead of the alliance team. But and yeah, and then like she's been going for a couple, like what a couple expansions now has been kind of like the starting to become a bigger and bigger threat and a bigger and bigger villain. And the alliance, the horde, need to unite to go against her, kind of thing. And. Again, since I'm not in the game, I'm not seeing like the actual in-game mm-hmm. progression, but watching it from kind of the outside and, and peering at it, I mean, the fact that she's pulled off Arthas's crown and shattered the Lich King's throne, basically, like, and it, it seems to be pointing at, like, this mirror realm, which I don't know if that's a little bit of, like, Stranger Things sort of stuff going on, or the Upside Down, or whatever, but uh, it seems like that it has to be the pinnacle of this arc because that that was kind of the same thing that happened when like the horde goes back in time and there's this whole time travel thing and, and, you know, trying to get you usurp power and bring the horde back and stuff like that was kind of the pinnacle of that arc that everything reset. And then the Sylvanas arc picked back up after that. And, and it seems like, I don't know how much further you can go with this arc without kind of, cinching out it seems like the climactic event there may be like a down like hit hit that and then bring it back up later with a new villain or a new serious external threat or something yeah well so in bfa battle for azeroth which is the current expansion she basically um 
goes to like the I think it's the World Tree. Uh, it's it's in Darnassus where the Night Elves are from, right? And like burns it down and commit, basically commits genocide on a bunch of right. alliance Night Elves or whatever. Um, so yeah, so even the Horde are united against her. She's just full villain at this point. She's right. not a leader in the Horde anymore. Uh, and yeah, I assume she'll be the final raid encounter or one of the final raid encounters. There might be another big boss that drives she's her. summoning more. or something, a Cthulhu-esque yeah. sort of thing that's even bigger. Right. There always is. Um, but yeah, no, love the cinematic trailer. Uh, probably one of the funniest comments that I read was that she can't defeat any of the heroes in Azeroth currently like she can't just kill them but she can go and one shot the lich king like (laughs) lol okay it was like one of the top comments you know so that's fair i mean there's always Uh, a disconnect between even in in i pretty much all other games that there's a disconnect between the cinematic trailers feeling of power and reality and world building versus the actual gameplay well i think the most from that maybe the most because when mmos show trailers of combat they show people you know, one-on-one. Yeah. Well, or taking a sword and hitting a dude and like really inflicting like a serious cut or chopping a limb off or something, or they don't show uh, 10 minutes of them, like casting their cues and yeah, (laughs) just standing there waiting for their global cooldowns to refresh. Right. (laughs) Trailer. Um, Well, so, and and, you know, I I probably should have said this up front. I don't, I, I don't really intend to try and list all of the features of these that these new announcements came with um you know we we don't really do a ton of news here and that's not really my point as much as to to just talk about what i'm excited about so i say that just to preface that what i'm about to say is not intended to be a full summary of all of the things that are coming to wow shadowlands um or a critique or or you know appraisal or improvement of, of all those things or anything anyway so um the probably the biggest two things, which I had kind of talked to you about this before we started recording, but probably the biggest two things that they're doing that I think is really fascinating and is a perfect quintessential example of Blizzard doing something with an MMO that other MMOs just, just don't do. And that is, uh, they're doing a level squish. So in previous expansions, hit point pools and damage numbers have gotten into the millions. And so then after that, an expansion later, they've done what they call a stat squish, where they squish all the numbers back down. So that way damage is maybe at least in like the tens of thousands instead of millions, Um, which I get. But honestly, I always thought was still kind of silly because I still think 10,000 damage is ridiculous, you know, or like 20,000 health is ridiculous. But when damage is in the millions, 10,000 is no damage. Correct. And so anything less than that is even more negligible. So like, why even have any of that? And so I I get where 10, uh, you know, a hundred to 10,000 is at least a tiny amount. It's a fraction that you can kind of grasp, but. Right. But yeah, once you get millions, you can't even really conceptualize it actually. Um, Well, so this time, because now there's 120 levels to get to max level in the current expansion. So with Shadowlands, they are reducing it so that the level cap is 60 and and so now if you're 100 level 120 character you'll go back down to to level 50 when shadowlands comes out to then level up from 50 to 60 in the new expansion so they're kind of keeping with their same trend where every expansion you're basically playing through the final 10 levels of character progression right to to complete the expansion um and that's the same same deal here so that's really interesting because I've never never seen a game do that. Now someone probably is aware of one that I'm not, but yeah, I've I've never never seen that. And the other thing that they're doing is right now when you level through WoW, you level through the expansions kind of in the order that they came out. Because again, each expansion is responsible for the next ten, and, and I think one case only five, but levels of progression. Yeah. Well, the experience rates, though, have been turned up. So you level through those expansions much more quickly than you would have when they were live. Right. Right. So what that creates is a scenario where you don't actually get to play through any storylines because you're done with the area before you've even completed half of the Yeah, you complete the the two introductory quests and all of a sudden you're done. 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or or maybe there's ten zones in a in a continent from an expansion, and you only really get through like five of them, and even and not like every quest in all five, just right. part of five. And now it's time to go to the next expansion. And be, anyway, so what they're doing now is they're redesigning the level one through ten experience and i don't know if that's going to be like a race specific or class specific zone or if it's just one newbie island or, or what it will be i'm sure it won't be uh chintzy because blizzard typically not real chintzy on on their stuff whereas other games that have tutorial islands can be kind of brutal sometimes um anyway and then from level 10 through 50 you select an expansion that you want to level through and then that at whatever expansion you choose, and I think there's seven now <laughs> already, um, you, you'll level 10 through 50 all the way through that expansion. So it'll all be scaled appropriately for your level. The experience should be enough to get you through it. And the idea being that you can kind of get comfortable in a continent and actually play through that storyline and get to know those characters and whatever. Right. Um, so I think that's really interesting too, because that means, you know, if I, which I'm sure I won't, but if I can convince you to try wow, at some point <laughs> you, you would play through one of those expansions, but you wouldn't ever actually see the others unless you chose to roll more characters or I'm right. sure at maximum you can go explore around or whatever. Um, and then 50 to 60 again is the Shadowlands. I was going to say that, that that actually does give some incentive to kind of new character creation. Cause I'm sure that there is that issue as well in current modern wow where if you want to create a new character you're leveling through all of the content but piecemeal whereas in this new kind of style if i wanted to make three or four or five characters well i can have a unique experience not just with my class or my race or my side but also with the story so I, i can have a full new character experience that's also not you know if i want to level up a new class even even if i do already know the ins and outs I can still have kind of that new game experience where it's a whole new, it's not just the same class going through the same zones. It's not the same class being, you know, bored with the same content. I I hit that with like city of heroes a lot where I'd want to play a new hero, but the first like five quests are really boring. And so at least I could take the first five quests or after the tutorial Island or whatever in a new area. And I get like, at least even if I played through it before, maybe I did play through it piecemeal. Maybe I saw half the story and really liked it and want to go experience the full thing. Now I get to do that. And I think that's a, I think that's a good call. I think that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, and it's, you know, as I've talked about on countless other episodes, but it's, it's that fine line that Blizzard strikes between doing something that is again, you know, I don't know a better word than, than, than bold um, to try and correct the course, if you will. Yeah. Uh, And also doing something that ends up diminishing the game in some way. Um, You know, other games like, like dark age of Camelot that I've talked about before. So it is, I don't know. I think it probably had five expansions total, maybe four or something like that. And, so the second expansion for it introduced these giant raids and just these really, 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 really long um, grinds in order to get the best stuff. Like to get, like they had these things called artifact weapons. Well, to find an artifact, you had to, to know, you had to find the boss that had a chance to drop the artifact, right? And then each artifact had three scrolls that were associated with it. Well, you had to go farm all three of those scrolls, which are from completely different mobs, and then combine those scrolls with the artifact. And that's how you actually activated the artifact. And then you can begin using it. Right. So it wasn't enough just to go to the raid and get lucky and get the dice roll. You now also have to go to this other stuff. Well, that was all cool for current players, but as time continued forward, that becomes pretty insane to try and manage. Right. Right. So in later expansions, what they did was they just they just made that content all irrelevant by because again in Dark Age they never increased the level cap, so the the level cap was still the same, so they couldn't make it irrelevant in that way. So instead, they just put in mechanics where there's just like a vendor that will just automatically teach you the the different skill lines that came out of that really grindy expansion, right? And then you don't, and you don't have to go do it. And and that's all fine and well, but it 
I don't know. I, I, I think, I think I, I think that this approach that Blizzard's using is much more interesting because it doesn't invalidate their previous work. It doesn't invalidate it. Well, and the other thing is that while Camelot did that, it, it also just continued to Frankenstein it where you still have all of that content in all of that order. And you have to know these weird little nuanced mechanics such as, Oh, you go talk to the vendor for master levels and he gives them to you like, right. Oh, I didn't know that. Whereas the way that WoW's doing it, I think actually, at least on paper, it looks like it will serve to reduce a lot of the clutter and confusion that currently can can exist, especially if you're a new player. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, we had talked some previously about the, especially the level squish and how so many companies do it wrong. Uh, I think the only other ones that are, have ever taken those bold steps, I think it really is just the established. You have to have a certain level of establishment to take a risk like that and risk losing a chunk of your player base. And I think, you know, we talked one of the, the only other companies that I've seen do that is uh, Warframe. Um, oh, right. Yeah. And they've been really bold about completely changing, you know, Melee 2.0, Melee 3.0, Parkour 2.0. Like, there were huge, the entire game was adjusted and altered multiple times. And some people get mad, some people love it. Usually, it, it tends to be more geared towards what people are saying actually needs to change and how the company kind of agrees with that. And I think that's awesome. I think that's good that a, a game or a company can can take a look at their own product and say, how can we make this better for new players? How can we make it better for returning players that maybe played the first three expansions and haven't played the other four, but don't want to skip content. So they don't want to get stuck playing through even one or two of the last expansions. Maybe they've only gone a couple of years, but they don't want to hurry through all of that just to see the new stuff. How do we cater to them? You know, And I, I think that's a good idea. I think it's a... It'll be interesting. I think with their... Especially their wow seems to be the thing that when things are announced in BlizzCon, they're pretty concrete. Um, because there's a much more stringent release cycle, people are a lot more um, aware that the game is already live, everything's already there. So people have that expectation set that if you're making an announcement, that what you're announcing is probably what, how it's going to be. So I think that there's a certain level of trust that goes in with that. And, and I think that of the announcements, you know, for me, even though I don't play, I think WoW announcements tend to feel the most concrete. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm definitely. I mean, I will say I was I was excited enough by Shadowlands, which again it doesn't come out for another year, so it's not like you know I get to play it anytime soon. But I was excited enough by it that I, as I've also talked about, I play WoW Classic, and when you pay for WoW Classic, your sub also covers retail WoW, uh, and so I actually was inspired to go ahead and roll up a retail character on a, another friend of mine's server. So I don't impl- intend on playing it full time or anything, but just over the next year, hop on and off and hopefully be able to catch up to, um, to one twenty so that I can be ready for the expansion when it drops and, and jump into that. Um, which was also interesting, you know, while retail is, is a very different game from, from WoW Classic in a lot of ways. Obviously, there's a lot of similarities, but um, I don't know. They're 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 actually just pretty different experiences, at least as far as like leveling goes. Now, right in neither game am I raiding or doing in-game stuff. Um, but yeah, it, it, WoW Classic is interesting because it 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 brings a difficulty to to the game that that's not there in the modern version. Um, and, and I think especially when playing with friends, that makes it more engaging because you have to rely on each other more. Like people need to do their part in order to to make it. And in retail, wow, again, at least while leveling, that's not as much the case, but I think also since I've played wow, since 2004, um, like I loved it when flying mounts came out, I was, I was blown away when flying mounts came out. And in WoW Classic, flying mounts don't exist, right? right? Um, or there's a thing called heirloom gear, where if you've got max level character, then you can buy gear that you can mail to alts that has good stats and automatically levels up with oh, okay. the character. So it basically just eliminates you having to worry about trying to grind for gear or whatever on your alts. Right. Um, obviously, none of that stuff exists in Classic. 
and, and I can understand why people don't like those things because they trivialize parts of the game. Right. Um, but I think being someone that, again, went through all of that already and kind of naturally saw that come out. I don't know. I like that stuff, too. And not that I'm advocating that it should be in WoW Classic or, or whatever, but I don't know. I guess I just I think there's room for both. Yeah, um, no, for sure. Is what I've what I'm finding. Anyway, so uh, we'll go to the next one that I think we were both probably interested in, um, and that's Diablo 4. So uh, the Diablo 4 cinematic trailer, I was pretty impressed by. It's the uh, longest of the three. It's almost 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) It was intense. So, yeah, so what was... uh, what were your thoughts on on that trailer? Did you were so you impressed was, by it? Were you skeptical of it? Or uh, I'm really torn on it. So I wanted to watch it because cinematic trailer, and I, I don't probably don't express properly vocally how obsessed I am with Blizzard cinematic trailers. Like I like I love 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 them, and I'm always just super engrossed by them. Um, so I was really excited to want to see this, but I mean. With the announcement of Diablo Immortal last year, which I'm not sure if they had anything on at BlizzCon this year, but, uh, you know, last year's was a pretty big travesty. There was tons of memes about it, and it was pretty – the Diablo community was pretty mad about that announcement and, you know, kind of like, hey, it's been six, seven, eight years. It's time for an announcement for Diablo 4. If you guys – you guys seem to care enough to give us new content for Diablo 3, so where's the, the rest of the story? Where are we going? Um, so I was really excited to see, you know, the trailer. Um, however, like, so separating the cinematic trailer, which was what I had to do, I had to separate my thoughts on Diablo 4 from my thoughts on the cinematic trailer. The cinematic trailer is amazing. It's gorgeous. It's dark. It's gritty. And it's, whereas the Diablo 3 kind of intro trailer with Deckard Kane and Tristram and the meteor and stuff was not that it was like frilly or pixar happy or anything but it it was gothic in the same way that like uh like a punk rocker is gothic right like oh it's black and it's gritty and it's dirty but it didn't have that that suspense that danger that kind of nightmarish feeling to it that like diablo 2 really dug deep on and i think that the diablo 4 trailer definitely at least carries that sense of dark gritty terrifying dangerous you know impression and to me that's it's intriguing that they're 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 going back to that they're going back to that style of this is not like diablo is not the same character in heroes of the storm (laughs) that that he is he's not just like this fun guy riding on a unicorn like this is dark and I, I mean, that's interesting because for me, it's one of the few games that teeters on that line of horror and adventure because I don't typically like horror games, um, but also adventure games can be kind of bland. And I think that element of horror adds that suspense that keeps me engaged and wants me to be heroic, wants me to face my fears, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so I'm really excited by that. While simultaneously, I, I refused to watch any of the other uh, like gameplay video. They had like live demos and stuff. They had you know, inventory and, and structure and all of these talks. They had hours of talks on Diablo 4 and what it was going to be while also saying that there is no release date, which means it's not even Blizzard soon, which means we're looking at 2021 at earliest, maybe 22. Um, and... And it, and it also feels like all of these announcements seem to placate in the same way that the original Diablo 3 announcements did. There was live gameplay available of the original Diablo 3, which was a completely different – like they scrapped the engine. They kept, The only things they kept from the original Diablo 3 were like 3D models, but they scrapped the entire engine. So everything that they're talking about, loot, multiplayer experiences, progression – classes characters all of that can can be up to change i'm sure a lot of it will make it through but i'm not going to hype myself up on that because for one i'm not going to sit here and be hyped for two years and and i'll I'll play it when it's available and past its error 37 week and 
and two, it's just, uh, I mean, there is a level of that that is placating. There's a level of that that's hype. It's BlizzCon. That's what it's there for, and that's what people go there to see and get. And I didn't buy a $200 ticket. I'm not flying out there to, to be there for that experience. That's not what I want from it. And so uh, while I'm excited, I'm also like how much of a live service model are they trying to take through their loot system? Just from the stuff that I've seen and heard in, in our conversation, it's like how much of this ends up being a Destiny 2 or an Anthem? I mean the announcement trailer for Anthem was amazing. <laughs> and I get it. Yeah. Blizzard's a different beast, but – there is room they're, – they're not completely infallible. There's room for failure, and they're, they're not yeah. going to make the same mistakes like the auction house, sure, but what new mistakes are they going to make? Right. Yeah, I think that that's uh, – I mean certainly that's all fair um, and, and rational. Um, I think that – I think that the difference between the gameplay that they showed now versus the gameplay they showed for Diablo 3 was the Diablo 3 gameplay was very limited. Like, it was literally just a guy walking through a, a dungeon, fighting some creatures, and there wasn't really that much to show. I mean, they showed, like, health orbs as being a solution to endless potions, which was a problem in Diablo 2 balancing, and they showed, like, some of the destructible terrain stuff, which did still make it through into Diablo 3, like, in the, where you can get a piece of and you know stuff like that again though only mostly in act one like everything after right. act one is a, act one is has a completely different level of polish in diablo 3 like act one looks better than any other act i would agree but my, my, so my point just being though that i feel like what they showed for diablo 4 was just way more so i think the likelihood of them doing the same kind of like fundamental redesign that happened on diablo 3's development cycle is less likely here and obviously I'm speculating, but clearly, or, or, anyway, I mean, specifically because there's so much more that they're showing. Because they're showing boss fights, they're showing three different classes, they're showing the mounts running around, they're showing a wide variety of zones. So it's not it, it's not quite the, the limited size of the Diablo 3 demo that, that you're referring to. Um, but you're absolutely right that we don't know what we'll see. There's still a lot of room for redesign even with that. I mean... There's also a lot of stuff that may not make it. Again, I, I don't want to compare them to, to, to Diablo 4 to Anthem, but Anthem showed a lot of stuff that just didn't make it to the game. No Man's Sky showed a lot of stuff that didn't make it to the game. And while I think people would be harsher on Blizzard than a lot of these other companies, there's also a lot of stuff that might get shouted down because even if it's a good enough game, those criticisms will get buried. And, yeah. and it's not that I don't believe that they're going to happen or anything else. I just don't want to hype myself up for it because inevitably I feel like my favorite part of the thing will be the one thing that gets cut. And everybody else will be like, yeah, but everything else is there. And I'm like, yeah, but my favorite part, you know, like. Right. <laughs> I, I would say I guess my counter to that would be that I think that uh, while Bioware was certainly an established developer uh, and so Anthem is certainly, a, you know, a mark on their name or whatever you want to say. Bioware had never done a shared world third person shooter where you operate an Iron Man suit. Like the whole, right. the whole thing was brand new territory for them. Um, I mean, Bioware is not famous for online experiences. Right. They're famous for single player things. Um, and and in fact, same thing with like fallout 76 is that Bethesda exactly. is not an MMO company and they they had tons of, you know, problems getting servers and clients to sync because they never did that before. Right. And uh, I, I don't know. An Anthem. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm struggling to, <laughs> to find how I want to say it, I guess. Anthem was Anthem definitely struggled a lot, um, but I think it struggled a lot in ways that they just didn't anticipate. And I think that it's also true that like No Man's Sky is a great example, but No Man's Sky is that's that studio's first game. Right. You know what I mean? And the level of hype that they got was insane, which like I never understood from the beginning because they never said what the gameplay loop was. Right. They just were like, Hey, there's infinite worlds and infinite creatures and you can explore. And it's like, cool. Then what do I do? And then it's just like coming soon. Yeah. And then that's, you know, I, um, I get that. And again, like I said, I can't make a direct comparison, but I think sure. it's just, if anything else, I tend to get overhyped about stuff and, it it's an it's a it's a like 
not that it's a bad anxiety, but it's kind of an anxiety. It's a nervousness. It's an anticipation. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to boil an anticipation. If it had a release date of summer of next year or spring mm-hmm. of next year, then I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go watch everything I can on this and get ready. And But even mm-hmm. with like Borderlands 3, I was really excited for, watched the announcement trailer, and then refused to watch anything else because I don't want to get spoiled. I want to I mm-hmm. be surprised by a boss. I want to be surprised by a mechanic or by how they change things. And so, you know, some of that is skepticism, is healthy skepticism. Even at Blizzard, I'm they're not so high up that they cannot be... You know, they're not too big to fail, basically. Um, Mm -hmm. They can have problems. They can have things go wrong. They can have unanticipated things, even though they're good at MMOs and server technology and whatever. They can have things fail. And and two is mostly just like, I want to be surprised. If it is good, I want it to be great. I don't want to spoil it before I, I get to it. Yeah. I mean, for me, I would say my skepticism actually comes from just simply the and it's not actually specific to Diablo at all. It's just that genre. I just, as we talked about, you know, again on other episodes, I just feel like that genre, the 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 action RPG, isometric, clicky clicky, you know, loot driven game. I feel that that genre is just kind of stale. Um, and so I'm interested to see what they do. I, I think a, a game that we may have mentioned before, but. I'm not sure if we have or not, but it's called Archero. That's a mobile game that kind of plays like a Diablo or something where you're, or Archero. I don't yeah. know how you say it anyway. But anyway, where you, um, you're running, you're maneuvering a character around and in, in that you stop moving. And when you stop moving, the character fires. So the entire game is really you dodging kind of like a, a shmup or a bullet hell. Like you're right. dodging, stuff and then stopping to fire whenever the coast is clear. And I actually think that Archero is, it's certainly not as compelling as a Diablo because it's just tiny little levels that you run through. And, you know, there's a lot, it's a very limited game in scope compared to the Diablo games. But that, like that mechanic, I would be interested to see in a game like a Diablo or at least that premise of a mechanic maybe expanded upon or or, or something. Well, and just difficulty not through... Because I would love to see hordes of enemies. I would love to see important decisions where, like, I mean, Diablo 2 skill tree, which, you know, they're talking about possibly bringing that t- some of that back and skill leveling and stuff. Diablo 2 skill tree was a much more important decision. Now, it was maybe mm-hmm. too important, and there were maybe too many important decisions that you had to make the right ones to get forward in the game. Um but I would like to see some, not necessarily meta decisions, but just important decisions in gameplay. Diablo 3 seems to have a lot of good ideas that just were not... I wish they would have taken them a step further and and really pushed that gameplay mechanic instead of just having some guy say, help me lift the cranes and defend me while I do this. Like, Make that important. Make that a tense moment. Make that mm-hmm. Make me feel like there is a level of, like, if I don't save enough soldiers that the demons take over or whatever, like giving me right. something more than just where I stand and how much explosion crit damage I can do. You know? Right. Yeah. So, no, I agree. But yeah, I, I would say I'm, I'm, uh, I'm probably more hyped or whatever, excited, whatever word you want to use than, than you are for it. But I also am just kind of skeptical again of the genre as a whole, like path of exile, I think is a, a marvelous accomplishment of a game like it's it's amazing to me with the things that they've done and again their boldness with the seasons and constantly changing right. things up and introducing new mechanics but even that like the last time i played path of exile i got into it for probably three weeks to a month and like found a build online i was going to pursue and got into trading so i could get currencies to to buy the loot pieces that i needed for my specific build that i'd found and that was all cool and then once i got the build and got it done and was the appropriate level and had at least the baseline of the gear that I needed. I just didn't really care anymore. Right. Uh, because the game, the game and Diablo three did this to me very much as well, where it gets away from feeling like, like there is, you know, we've talked a lot recently on past episodes about this level of like immersion that you can accomplish in games and how important that is. And Diablo and Path of Exile, uh, just Diablo 3, that is, and, and Path of Exile, just 
really, really limit the immersion. Yeah. And I think it's because there's so many mechanics that enable the player to sprint through areas. And, you you know, like if you watch a POE streamer or look up a video on how to play Path of Exile, most of the level gets skipped. Yeah. People just run in as fast as they can to get to the next exit. Or even clearing maps or doing the, the runs in Diablo 3. It's just about how fast you can kill everything on the screen and then find another screen as full of as many mobs. Like, if there's one or two mobs, you run away from it. you got to find a big pack yep. so you can get a whole bunch of them. And it's like, it's the same way kind of with maps in a similar form on, mm-hmm. on PoE. And it's like, that's that gameplay loop is fine. I don't have anything against it. But it does not pair well with the story you're trying to tell and the world you're trying to build yeah well and i think it it, to me it also really takes away from like kind of what we're talking about like the mechanical funness of it because it eliminates there being any real the choice is just simply does that do more aoe damage than the other thing i was doing or does this enable me to set up a big aoe damage or whatever and and that just becomes the whole game and you can play it in other ways. I mean, like in Diablo, there's tons of different difficulty settings. So if you wanted to play it harder, you can, except that unfortunately, as many shooters that I think have bad difficulty curves do, the difficulty curve in Diablo means that the enemies just take way more hits and you take way less hits to die. Right. And it's like, I don't know what the answer is supposed to be, but I, I also didn't imagine all of the other video games that I liked before I liked them. That's true. So, I'm still relying on people who create these things <laughs> to come up with the solutions. Um, I, don't know, I think overall, I mean, I'm excited. I'm happy that it's being announced. I'm glad that it wasn't another Diablo Immortal presentation, although I kind of wonder <laughs> where that went. But uh-huh. <laughs> to Tencent. Free <laughs> <laughs> Hong Kong. Um, I get it. But it, it, it is – it's like, okay, I'm I'm excited. I'm happy it's announced. I'm, I'll am i be there as long as I don't get hit by a car or, you know, a meteor or whatever. I'll be there to play it. Um, like I said, probably a week after it's released, I want to make sure that it's – you know, web dev is stable this time um, and that any major bugs are out. Huh? What do you what do you want? I'm rolling my eyes, yeah. let me say. <laughs> I see it. But all that said, I'm excited. I'm happy it got released. Uh, I'm sad that the StarCraft shooter got canned earlier this year and was not at BlizzCon, but right. that's okay. I, I'm fine with it. Right. Overall, I gave it a thumbs up. Yeah. Yeah, I would say that the, the, tra- the cinematic trailer was one of the coolest cinematic trailers I've seen in, in any game ever. I mean, the 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 darkness and the gore and the... Yeah, it's a mature uh, rated cinematic trailer. Like, it is not right. for anybody under 18. Like... Right, right. <laughs> um... So then, then the the final big announcement that I wanted to kind of discuss would be Overwatch Two, um, which I don't really play Overwatch as much anymore. I mean, I don't really play Diablo that much anymore either. But um, Overwatch is a very interesting title. Uh, it's for anyone who hasn't played it, which is probably not very many people. But it's uh, it's kind of a mix of of MOBAs. It's like what if team fights and MOBAs were were the only thing that you did in a game and you did it with FPS style characters. I mean, kind of a team class, a team fortress, a little bit of team fortress, a little bit of, you know, MOBA style play. Right. Kind of an evolution of those genres combined. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, definitely team fortress, especially with like the map objectives. I mean, they're straight from team Fortress. Well, and, and switching class mid game and stuff. So, right, right, right. Yep. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Anyway, so I was really surprised to hear about Overwatch 2 when I first heard, saw that that headline or whatever, just because, like League of Legends or Dota or even Team Fortress 2, those games have never had a full sequel, um, and I, which I think makes sense because especially for an online-only experience like those games are, fragmenting the player base is a, a risky move, I think. Um, although I was really surprised when Destiny 2 launch yep. because of the same and the division two for the same reasons and both of those you know, survived that yeah. did fine right so clearly it works however that's actually not what blizzard's doing um what they're doing is overwatch 2 is so overwatch itself has no pve content other than like a training room where you can shoot some robots um 
it's exclusively pretty much a PvP game. And Overwatch 2 is is primarily actually going to be focused on PvE content. And if you want to continue playing Overwatch PvP, as you would in Overwatch 1, you don't have to buy Overwatch 2. So while it is a, a sequel, it's even called Overwatch 2, it's, it's still going to share a system. I, I guess, actually, it, it's, really, it's really kind of similar to what StarCraft did with the expansions where, like, when Heart of the Swarm came out, you didn't have to buy that if you wanted to keep playing multiplayer. Right. You still got the multiplayer version that came out in Heart of the Swarm. Correct. So I think that's what the, the, my understanding is that's the direction they're going with on the PvP side. And the Overwatch 2 content, in air quotes, will primarily be PvE content, which what little I've read about it actually sounds a little underwhelming. Uh, people are saying, one, I should say, one of the reviews I read of it from the demo or whatever was that it, it felt kind of like Left for Dead, except with Overwatch characters. Um, so the complaint from that particular article, which I think was Kotaku, but the complaint from that article was that it, they were just playing a little too safe. They weren't really going out on a limb with some new, new, brand new idea of how to play PVE shooter content. Um, so I think that's fair. I, I don't think I really care about Overwatch PVE content unless reviews come out for it that it's just like, you know, must play. Um, so I'm glad by that, because while I don't play a lot of Overwatch now, it's something I go back to from time to time and something I've kind of always had this expectation that I'll always be able to go log on to it. So I'm glad that that's still going to be the case, even if I don't pick up Overwatch 2. Um, the other thing is Overwatch 2 is supposed to come up with a graphics upgrade. And what I read said that in one panel, a developer said the upgrade will be applied in, across the board. And another developer said on a different panel that they weren't sure yet if the visual upgrades would come to Overwatch 1 only owners. Um, I would assume that it'll be across the board just because I, I don't, I, now I, I don't know. I'm not a programmer or an artist, so I don't know how it works, but it seems like that would be a problem. I've never seen any other game do that really. Right. Hitboxes um, are important. Right. Right. So I don't know. Um, I think that Overwatch is, is is really interesting as an esport, and I think that it's the game that has the best chance of taking esports to a level where it's on par with regular sports. Um, I don't know if Overwatch is the one that will carry the torch to that, but I think it's the the closest thing to that um, for a variety of reasons that I discussed on the Overwatch episode, which you haven't listened to. You should <laughs> go check out from our Blizzard series that we did when we first launched the show. Um, but yeah. Did you so did you watch the yeah. Overwatch 2 so cinematic trailer? This this is actually an interesting divide because I'm probably far more hyped for the Overwatch 2 announcement. Um being somebody who, again, if you listen to the Overwatch episode, has played Overwatch, but I'm I preferred Paladins. Um and I played that far more and actually did not really like Overwatch that much. It's a good game. However, I have cried at like what nine out of ten of the cinematic trailers for Overwatch tell this amazingly compelling story? I love this IP in this world, and every single one of them is beautiful and engaging and amazing. This one, same thing, brought to tears. I don't know if it was the music um, that just was emotionally grabbing or the video itself, um, but they've been telling a story through the cinematic trailers only, which is so interesting because there's zero story in it's a PVP game. It like there is no story. And and I think, you know, Team Fortress did this too in a slightly different way. Theirs was more comedic. They were kind of shorts. So it was more of a Saturday Night Live of Team Fortress. Um whereas the Overwatch cinematic trailers have been an ex a, a, an expanding story that has each one fills in this gap and you've you're let each one leaves you with questions about what's actually going on in this world what's happening what has happened versus what's coming what characters are on what sides and it's it's been unfolding very slowly all without there being any actually you cannot play the game at all and get the same amount of story as if you did so playing the game actually doesn't tell you anything more other than maybe you might get to see a little text block about a character's past or something that you don't get from the cinematic trailer mm -hmm. but I always wanted to, I was like, man, that's the game I want to play a single player game of. Like, 
that's the con like i want to be one of these heroes in that world i want to be able to play through this content now It'll be really interesting to see what happens because Battleborn had single-player content that was actually semi-unique to each character. And there were a lot of characters, mm. um, which that can be difficult to do. And I don't want to necessarily be forced to play through like all of the characters or play through in a specific order or anything. But at the same point in time, I don't want the story to be so generalized that it doesn't matter who I am, that my character has no importance. Because in the videos, each character has a niche, a role, an importance to the story. So, right. I mean, I'm excited because that's going to be the thing that brings me back to play Overwatch. I, I have Overwatch. I have played it. I mean, it's fine. It's a good game. Um, but I actually don't care about the esports scene for Overwatch that much. I mean, I, I hope it does well. I want anything that makes esports big to do well. Um, but I'm not really engaged in it. And... I want to, but I still want to partake. I still want to be a part of that world. So for me, the the announcements that Diablo is going kind of like shared universe is scary to me because I want my deal. I, I'm just a, a PVE kind of person at, at my heart. But at the same point in time, the fact that they're announcing PVE content for a traditionally PVP only game, that has me excited. And right. I, I mean, even if it falls flat or short, if it, if it comes with one more cinematic trailer or, or event at the end of me playing through a big, you know, getting a cutscene, I mean, I'll I'll pay the extra cash for that and then not play multiplayer because I'm terrible in teamfight games. <laughs> but I'll at least get to go shoot some robots and I'll feel good right. about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, I um I would say that I was actually, I mean, I'm, I'm probably least excited of the three by by that of by that game and. I'm. I also probably would say I liked their cinematic trailer the least. I mean, it was very well done, so it wasn't like I thought, "Oh, that looked stupid" or, or or something like that. But it was just simply that, like, I don't know. They just it leans in so hard, which I get. It's the Overwatch brand, but it just leans in so hard to the like childlikeness. It's a bright, it and colorful world. Well, and it's not, but it's not just that it's a bright and colorful world. It's just that, like, I don't know, like you get, like you get a scene like the Bastion uh, short where he's like going through the woods and has a little bird right. and is basically suffering from like PTSD, effectively. Right. And like that's like a very like kind of serious dark th- or like May's video where like right. all the other people in her facility are dead. You know what I mean? Like it, it even though it's this bright and colorful and almost Disney esque kind of world it still does an interesting job of of weaving in some adult themes yeah. or whatever you want to call it. And in the cinematic trailer for this new one, like, I don't know, it just felt... It, it... That's fair. They, they fought a giant robot, and that was it. There was no... Well, they fought a giant robot, and, like, like the only character that actually fought anyone was Genji. Right. Like, and Genji Deus showed... Ex like, Machina and... Yeah, it's like I'm pretty sure he could have just handled this like in like a minute and been done and out of here. Like we don't even need all you guys to land and show up and yell your taglines. (laughs) That's that's fair. The the cinematic trailer probably was the weakest, and maybe that's just because there weren't enough blood sacrifices in the Overwatch trailer. (laughs) That's that's the thing is that I have to admit or concede that that is purely my aesthetic preference. I just I love action movies. And the Diablo and the Warcraft trailers are action movies, you know, to some extent. And and while Overwatch has a lot of action, it's not an action movie I would I would watch. Um, but yeah, but saying all of that, I do think that it's again with all three of the franchises. I think that they're they're taking it in interesting directions. Like I agree with you that in Diablo Four, the shared world thing could turn out to be dumb and a. a, a, a bad thing for the game but i like that they're at least going in a different direction because of what i've talked about where this, that genre is so stale like if they just made diablo 4 and it formulaically as far as you know you, you go through this campaign and you go through these acts and each act has different and waypoints. you start in tristram and you go to a desert world and you go yeah. to a, yeah <laughs> which which is how path of exile works right. which is how grim dawn works which is how uh is it titan I can't remember the name of it now, which is dumb because I've played it, but whatever. All of the other ARPGs all follow that exact same model, 
So I like that someone's at least trying to break out of that. That is, again, a more mainstream game, at least. Um, but, you know, who knows? I think with WoW, the level squish is a really, really bold step to try and, and again, save it isn't correct because it's not dying, but right, right, right that ship a bit. Um, and I think that with Overwatch, I, you know, to, to exactly what you've just been saying, there is certainly an audience out there that, does want pve content and that does think that that all would be something that would make the game feel more full or more complete or or in like in your case just be the experience that you're looking for out of that right. world um so i think that's great and i think that it's cool that they're doing it in a way that doesn't kill off all of the overwatch one right account, no i think that's the it's know? the greatest it's home i think it might as well just be single player dlc available for a multiplayer game which is fine and i i it's fine that they want to call it two, I, as long as they aren't changing one, whatever. Um, right. And it may even bring me back into playing a little bit competitively. Maybe I do get in mm-hmm. and do some of that. Um, but I, and I, I agree, it's not the strongest trailer. Like the Bastion and May trailers were way stronger. I think that the the Genji trailer was a little bit weak. It was a little bit cliche. But mm-hmm. but it, and so this one may they they aren't all blockbuster cinematics. No. And I do agree that I think that it did. It's a softer step, and maybe even the single player campaign could be a soft step. Like they're not sure how to keep Overwatch franchise engaging and interesting without adding 400 characters, like every other, you know, MOBA style mm-hmm. game gets to. Um, and without doing some kind of, it's a lot harder to do a major squish on a game like that just because of the competitive nature. Um, so I think that this could be a soft step for Overwatch. It could be a safe play. But I, I think I'm still... Not that I'm, like, salivating at the mouth to go buy midnight release of Overwatch 2 from Best Buy sure. or something. But I'm interested. I'm excited by it. And and if it's if it's even half of what I would like to see by being able to participate, participate in that world, you know, if there's more than 10 hours of story and gameplay to get through... Then I'll be excited by it. I'll, I'll, I should probably enjoy it. I'm sure I'll have something negative to say about it. I can find the flaws in anything. But no, no, me never. But I think that I think that it's at least it's satisfying a craving within me that I've wanted to participate in that realm. I've wanted to be a part of that group and just never really felt like I belonged. And now I think I, I feel like, well, hey, there's room for me to to be a part of this you know community as well so Mm -hmm. i'm kind of excited to do that i'm excited to get into the community i'm excited to see them like they have some really unique not necessarily unique but interesting perspectives on their characters regardless of how much you know intellectual property trading has happened between them and their competitors but they're doing it in a way that i mean they have the budget and the money to give me the cinematic trailers and that's what I'm here for. So if I can get more of that and more story and more depth to the world, especially a world that has had hints of depth without any confirmation, like the, the cinematics are canon, but there's no other canon to go. There's no other books. There's maybe, you know, some like offshoot comics or little snippets here and there, but there's no other place that I can go engage with that world in a way that like tells me more of what's going on. So I think having access to that and and getting me hooked on the story and the lore of the game would go a lot further because the team fight, like that is not the, that is the furthest that you can divide what the game is from the gameplay, right? Like having good guys and bad guys lore wise on the same team, team fighting and respawning for no reason to push a a car across a street like there's no point there's no story or lore in that there's no that none of that makes sense but having something that is a little bit more concrete that does push forward a story i think could be really interesting and engaging way to participate in that world yeah i would actually say that's a really good point that you know like you look at halo right like halo has obviously a single player campaign um and so you or maybe you play it through co-op but whatever a story mode that you your PVE mode that you're playing through. And then when you go play Halo PVP, it's not supposed to tie into the, the story. Right. You know, you're you're not supposed to wonder, well, why are there now ten Spartans all running around shooting each other in different colored suits? Yeah. And and you're right, I have always been very confused, frankly, by the fact that Overwatch pushed such a story 
when the gameplay does, as you just said, literally nothing to support that story. Um, so you're right. The, the single player campaign is an opportunity to actually finally develop that story outside of these few animated shorts that we get, you know, a handful of times a year. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, I think, I think that, you know, kind of in conclusion with Blizzard, BlizzCon this year, um, last year, I don't know what they announced. I, I guess they announced WoW Classic probably last year. But last year, BlizzCon was destroyed because of Diablo Ultimate. Right. Right. And that was the only, that was the only thing that I remember about it, really. Yeah, they got memed um, into oblivion. <laughs> right. And this year, I think that they walked away with a lot of hype around three of their biggest IPs and, and despite the, the controversy with the free Hong Kong stuff, I mean, there were certainly protesters there. So I know that it wasn't like, you know, everyone forgot or something, but that wasn't the biggest headline coming out of the week. Right. You know, these, their, their IPs and their titles were still in the announcements. Their, their depth of announcement overshadowed the controversy, which I mean, at least goes to say, they're either announcing a lot of stuff that's going to come back and bite them, or they're actually pushing forward some stuff that people can get excited about. So whichever way it goes, we'll kind of end up seeing at some point, but I, I don't think that that should take away from, you know, the protests and that there are places where companies misstep and then give fake apologies. But I think that it at least goes to show, like you said, that they, at least they have something to announce. At least they're working on something. And hopefully that thing is going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I mean, honestly, uh, you know, it, it's kind of like the, it's not the identical because I actually think the Randy Pitchford stuff is, is less egregious, but um, even if Randy Pitchford's a horrible person, Borderlands can still be fun. Right. Right. And, and I think in this case with Blizzard, it's another example of like, not, not that what they did was supportable or what they did was the, the right way to handle it. But companies, which are ran by people, do make mistakes, and I think they have an opportunity to redeem themselves with that. And even if I don't fully agree with their stance on that scenario, that doesn't mean that I can't get a lot of enjoyment out of the the games that they produce. Because ultimately, that's why I have a relationship with them, not because of their stance on anything else in the world. Um, Again, not to say that they were right or that, you know, they shouldn't that people shouldn't hold them accountable for things that they disagree with. Um, But I think it's, I I think that I'm kind of getting philosophical here, I guess, but I just think in general, we're, as we continue to move forward, I think that cancel culture is going to continue to diminish. Um, And I think that the, the opportunity for people to make mistakes and redeem themselves will you know, continue to, to manifest themselves more often. Uh, and I think that's a good thing because I think that's a way to keep people in the conversation and to keep people learning and growing and changing and, and getting better. Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly all for, you know, redemption and, and improvement. Um, hopefully it's not just um, apologies to placate the masses that mean nothing, you know, and the apologies I'm not all about. And only time will tell. I'm willing to give that time i mean i'm not out to cancel blizzard right now i do i'm disappointed um sure sure but you know a time will tell and and you know i'm I'm willing to wait and see i'm willing i think a lot of too is not that i'm trying to like not hype myself up because of what's going on in blizzard i think it's largely just i have had a change like i stopped watching e3 coverage i've stopped you know i've had i've been burned enough times that like I am trying to keep myself in the mindset of if not, if all of these games get canceled, if Activision Blizzard you know self detonates and everything is just gone and canceled, I still got what I wanted out of BlizzCon, which is some amazing cinematic trailers. So agreed, agreed. All right, well, uh, I think that's going to be it for our episode today. Uh, as always, if you'd like to interact with us, you can find her on find us on Twitter at puys pod. That's puys pod. Uh, also, if you like the episode, please rate, star, thumbs up, review, whatever your app lets you do. Uh, it just helps the show be more discoverable, and it really does kind of help us out in that way. Um, I'll also mention that if you would like to hear more of me, <laughs> then I also have another podcast called The Walk Show. Uh, there are some episodes featuring Brett on that as well, so you can check both of us out. 
Um, but always, uh, yeah, feel free to check out the walk show podcast. Um, again, we were really excited about the games coming out of BlizzCon. Uh, and I think it was a, a much better event than last year. So, uh, yeah, I guess with that, pick up your sticks and get out there and play some stuff. Have a good time. NFL fans, Dak Prescott here. Want to spend Sunday afternoons with your favorite teams and players? Switch to DirecTV and get NFL Sunday ticket included at no extra cost. I'm talking every live out-of-market game every Sunday, no matter where you live. So switch to DirecTV to get the 2020 NFL Sunday ticket season included at no extra cost. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Out-of-market games only. Requires choice package or above. Minimum $74.99 a month before discounts. Prices higher in second year. Regional sports fee up to $9.99 a month applies. 24-month agreement, activation, other fees, terms, and restrictions apply.